Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Sunday School. Who? I think my inner chatter is going to mess this up. <laughs> it already has. <laughs> Look out. Brothers and sisters, welcome to Penn Sunday School starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Penn is recording again in the comfy chairs at Cast Media in Los Angeles. Yes, I am. This show is the second half of Penn's discussion with the amazing Sam Harris. They're talking about meditation, some science stuff, and perhaps a little cultural misappropriation. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah, well, this is Sam, and this is Sam and me talking. You're really hearing, um, you're really hearing our first uh, conversation, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty honest. Pretty much what Sam and I want to talk about. So uh, let's get back to it. He's going to try to convince me I have no head. What I wanted to do with fasting and what I wanted to do with meditation was find a way to just accomplish things without ambition. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, I've well, been, you can't. It, it's been working. It's been working a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, the the real paradox of meditation is you actually can't right. accomplish it in that way at all. It's Which like, is why like it's like so you, wonderful yeah. for me. And that's why when I say what I was about to say was it is antithetical to this. Yeah. Because there was once and just once, and I don't want to think about it too much hmm. or or covet it too much because uh, it won't happen again. Uh, where, uh, I think I, I wrote you an email because I was very, very happy. Mm. I, I, I tried when I was looking at my visual field with closed eyes. Right. Uh, you didn't ask me to do this. It was during the, you know, seeing your own head, imagining mm-hmm. your own head thing. You didn't ask it in these words, but I just tried pulling back my field of vision right. to behind me. Yeah. I just tried to pull back the consciousness. And all of a sudden... There was a different physical feeling. Uh, physical is not quite the right word, mm. but there was a different state. That's not even the right word either. One of the things you say in the meditation all the time is these things can't be put into words. You have to experience them. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, so just to, to but very explain rare. that a little bit for for listeners who may not be familiar with this. So the 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 usual starting point for meditation for just every moment of consciousness for for an adult human is the feeling of being a self in the head that can then pay attention or fail to pay attention mm-hmm. to the, the object, object of meditation. So mostly if you, let's say you're given a technique to pay attention to the breath, you feel like you're a, a locus of consciousness up here in the head that can aim attention down at the breath and you're trying to get closer to it, you're trying not to be lost in thought, but there is this sense of, of there's a one who is trying the whole time. There's a meditator. There's a, there's a subject in the head. The goal of meditation is to look closely enough at that subject and see that it's not there and then see that consciousness is just this open condition in which everything, including thoughts and emotions 
and even the sense of the transit, the transitory sense of, of, of there being a subject, everything is just appearing mm-hmm. on its own. This technique, I mean, one, the one technique you referred to is the um, one that was really kind of invented out of whole cloth by this um, wonderful British architect named Douglas Harding, and he, he wrote a book titled On Having No Head. And so his insight was, and he, he, he was looking at the Himalayas when he had this, he, um, he was just gazing at, a, at a, 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 the horizon of, of mountain peaks and noticed that as he was looking out at the physical world, he didn't see his face. He didn't see his head, right? And, and uh, anyone can notice this at, at any time. You're, just, you're, you're, you're looking at me right now. The only face you see is mine, right? So, like, so where your head is supposed to be, I mean, you know you, you, know you have a head conceptually, but as a matter of visual experience, you're simply, where your head is, there's a world, and my head is in it, right? And so, you're mm-hmm. slowly, and so if, you, if you look for your head, you can, you can see that in its place, in the, there's nothing to find in the, in the direction you would be looking to find it. There's just this openness, right? And this is something that can be very vivid, with eyes open, because we 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 define our sense of self so 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 much as with with visual reference points, but you can have the same experience with eyes closed, where you just you you look for the subject interior to the head, you know you feel for it, you can see you you can for that moment notice that the 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 feeling of of the the experience of consciousness is not in the head. Every sign that you have a head, you know the the feeling of pressure on your face or on the back of your head, all, anything that can appear that signifies a head is simply an appearance in consciousness. Consciousness is still undefined and open and, and boundaryless in the presence of those sensations. And that's a, uh, it's wonderful with meditation that uh, you can have so many, so many benefits before you get to goals. Right. Just, just doing it. Is a better. I mean, in if your goal is the elimination of self or being able to see that without self, if that's your goal, it's remarkable how how much real enjoyment you can get while not getting while yeah. on your way to the goal. It's, it's well, really well nice I mean, the goal again is it is paradoxical. The goal is ultimately to recognize that that consciousness itself, and even even totally ordinary consciousness, consciousness that has not been transfigured by any surprising new contents. You know, you don't have, have to have some upwelling of positive emotion. You can simply just be looking at your shoe, right? That consciousness is already completely open and unperturbed and, and at rest. And you can begin to savor that experience of just drop, continually dropping back into that state. And what we, the way we tend to live is that we're lit. We're, we're seeking experience. We're seeking pleasant experience, and we're seeking to avoid unpleasant experience. And we 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 desperately want a a pleasant stream of thoughts. We want want we want a story that we're telling ourselves about our lives that is gratifying. And we want the story that we we want to we want the story to come out of our mouths when other people ask us, you know, how how are you doing? What's going on? What are you doing next? And we want to we want that all to sound great, right? And we think that if we can just gratify each desire as it comes up and get our relationships more or less in order and get our career in order and have this story get better and better, 
more and more of the time, we will find license to actually land in the present moment and simply enjoy that, right? Like you gratify the desire, the, the, the meal you've been looking forward to all day is finally here, and now you're busy having it, and what you really want is a quality of attention that can fully sink, it can fully arrive in the present moment without looking over the, sho the shoulder of this moment for the next thing that's coming, right? Hoping to, right. you know, for what's going to happen in an hour. And people touch that briefly in peak moments, in, in, in states of, of flow or, you know, peak experience, mm -hmm. whether they're having sex or the, you're, 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 you're having this meal and it's the first bite and you're, you're really there for it, but then you're, then you're distracted by the conversation or you, you feel too full or, or something's happening. And for the most part, our, our, attention just kind of skitters across the top of the present moment uh, without really sinking in. And, and meditation is a, uh, a practice of ultimately becoming just more and more familiar with what consciousness is like when it's undistracted, when, it, it, when it's just actually landing fully in the present moment again and again. And then you recognize that that's actually the thing you want out of life more like you, you, you're, you've, you have all of these contingent plans that's, that seem to be, uh, that are advertised to you as the re as the, the necessary proximate cause of landing in the present moment. Like here's a good enough reason right, to relax right. and be happy. Right. And that re it's a mirage. It never really arrives. I mean, at a certain point you just have to give yourself permission to enjoy your life moment by moment and you you even when things are hard i mean even when things are stressful mm -hmm. even when you're actually having to do work uh you know you're having to get up early and stay up late and you've got you know many irons in the fire uh you have to let you have to figure out how to actually enjoy the process you can't just be waiting well, for it all to be that's, over that's the fun thing the fun thing is really enjoying the physicality of uh, unpleasant emotions right but here's something that um I think you're addressing this now, but I, I wanted to ask you directly. Uh, every night before we do the magic show, I play upright bass. I play uh, I play 45 minutes of bebop bass, mm. which is jazz, during which I'm not talking. And the shows are ready to go, and uh, I just do that as the people are coming in, just pre-show. So you're, are you actually on stage yeah. for this? Or okay. But I'm not lit. Not right. lit. Not, I'm not, not featured. Right. I'm not introduced. I'm just playing the bass. I've been playing bass now for tw 20 years. Uh, I'm I'm better now than ever thought I would be, but I'm not good. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, I can I could I I have I'm a good enough bass player to be able to cut three zeros off my income and play professional bass like that. Right. right, right. <laughs> and uh, four. When I'm playing the bass, that's when uh, my mind will be really chattering, and I'll say to myself, "I really want to be here in playing the bass." And what I wanted to ask you about was when you're doing something that requires a lot of physical memorization and, in many cases, reading music and uh, following a many rules that you may that you follow in improvisation. Jazz improvisation mm -hmm. is a is a rule based thing, especially bebop. I'll find myself wanting to pull myself into that state that you talk about carrying into life. And wondering how far I can go into that and still keep all my skills going. Yeah. Like how much of the chatter in my head is actually part of being able to do the skill I'm doing. And I don't know 
how to turn off the parts that are just chattering and telling myself stories that have nothing to do with what I'm doing right. and what is part of actually generating the skills. I'm really interested now in being able to do some of the stuff I do during meditation while I'm doing other skills. Yeah. For instance, I would love to be able to really be sitting and listening to you talking. And in this particular case, I got to talk again. Yeah. So all yeah. the stuff you want to learn not to do in order to do part of my job and fulfill my role here, I have to do. So do you have anything to say about yeah, doing yeah. complicated yeah. skills while also being in the moment? Yeah. Well, so those are, but those are two impressively different skills. So you take a motor skill like playing an instrument or, you know, playing golf or, or anything where the initial learning of it is kind of very conscious and laborious and hard won, but progress through practice is a matter of pushing all of these motor routines back, literally, you know, back in the brain and down in the brain to, you know, in most cases to the basal ganglia where they become unconscious, right? So you like, so at a certain point in the better you get at a motor task, like, you know, riding a bike or hitting a golf ball, or I'm not a musician, but I imagine it's, it's true of, of playing an instrument at a certain point, you just know how to do it. You don't even know how you know how to do it, right? You just, right. you just, your, your hands do it, right? And um, whereas in the beginning, you had all of these thoughts about, you know, you put your finger here and it just, you know, none of the, and then you see people's skill deteriorate when they take on a new, when they struggle to take on a new pattern consciously. So you take a, you know, take a, even a prof professional golfer who's a, just a, you know, Tiger Woods. I mean, every they're, they're in the career of any great golfer when they've when they get a new coach a new swing coach and they're trying something new like you can see their game deteriorate because they've got all these swing thoughts say, that are competing for you know the the what's the, the is the actually ingrained motor routine so getting better is making more and more of this unconscious right mm -hmm. and so you i you know honestly i think the thoughts you're thinking certainly any thoughts about your plane ultimately are, are not helpful and well they, and, but, but but that's why I, why I brought it up so so carefully yes there is the um the the golf swing analogy right while you're using the motor skills you're also having to make actual artistic decisions yeah. that can't be done at a subconscious level okay well, you have to know yeah. the key you're in right. you know you have to know what the next chord is, you have to know how many times you're going to do the repeats, and you have to know what the other person's playing. And all of that stuff is actual decision-making while you're doing it, too. That can't be turned to rote. Right. So it's a combination. It's a really interesting yeah. combination of rote and um, real-time thinking. Yeah. Unlike, uh, well, I guess I don't play sports. So you don't do music, I don't play sports. Right. The analogy thing is gone. Yeah, well, I think, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, well, I think with sports, it's more, I mean, the, the, the experience of flow that people have rather often in sports is the is the the kind of enjoyment of the automaticity like it, like even mm -hmm. a, a very complex routine where you know two, two people are are passing a, ba a basketball back and forth right and just to kind of as if by magic they're anticipating each other's moves so and they're they're accomplishing something together that really you know seems like it had to have been you know pre-planned but really it wasn't and that's kind of the magic of it Again, there, there's, you know, having a, a, an empty mind in those experiences is is part of what's so enjoyable yes. about it. Yes. Um, and I would say, 
you know, in relationship and having a conversation, you know, the amount of time spent sort of locked and loaded for the thing you want to say is, you know, definitely cuts down on the, on the fluidity and flexibility and enjoyment of the conversation. I mean, it's like, like, you know, the perfect conversation for me is, you know, in terms of my experience of it is for me not to have a bunch of swing thoughts in my head as I'm getting ready to hit the ball, right? I'm, I'm, I have a hundred percent of my attention available to just consider what the other person's saying. And then a response kind of magically comes, right? Whereas right. I, if I know, like I've got this, uh, you know, I've got uh, this volley of paragraphs I want to get out the moment you stop talking. That's a very different kind of conversation. Sure. And, and, you know, as a podcast host, I, t I totally know what that's like because there are things that, you know, I have, I feel like I have to get in at this point in the conversation. And so there's, a, but the, I can feel the sort of the spirit of rigidity come over me where like I'm not free to go where this person wants to go or, or actually to explore the thing that was, was, would have been interesting at that moment. Because I just, you know, whatever whatever you were going to say, I knew what I was going right. to say next. Right. Yeah, you, you see that. I mean, yeah. uh, podcasts loosen that up a little bit. But on mm -hmm. television, you can see yeah, someone well, the, saying, well, my mother just died. And yeah, how'd you get into this business? Right, the exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, there's no listening at all. Yeah, well, that's that's the great uh, freedom of, of not having an actual time limit. I mean, yeah. that, when, when you see, when you, coming from the podcast space, even if you're, tending to keep your podcasts more more or less around the same length yeah. right even if you're sh generally shooting for an hour or 90 minutes or whatever so you effectively you know you're, you're you, you you seem to be playing by dynamics that are similar to someone on television or on the radio who has an hour show you know the difference between having an hour show and having to bring it in on the minute and just being able to go as long as you want and then just bringing it in at, at an hour five it's a completely different conversation. But also, conversation. in terms of in terms of television, you're talking ten seconds. Yeah, I mean, if you're yeah. doing if you're doing Fallon or something, you're gonna you're gonna get that joke oh, in yeah. when they're counting down commercial. Yeah, and there's no there's not you can't even pretend a conversation. No. Okay, let's take a break here. I'm gonna tell you my secret weapon for knowing stuff. My secret weapon for knowing stuff. What is your secret weapon for knowing well, stuff? Well, I read. I read a lot. You read a lot. I read a lot, but uh, and I forget a lot. But I also have added this other thing in, which is the books that I'm not going to read, like nonfiction books, yeah. I use Blinkist. And it's, oh, a, it's oh, amazing. Sure. I use it when I'm driving home. It's, uh, you know, I get about a 20-minute commute. In 15 minutes, they give me a summary of a book that is everything I would remember from that book anyway if I read the whole damn thing. It's really good. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works in your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now and is a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, or to history books. Blinkist is the latest titles from best-selling list, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. I just listened to a thing called No Self, No Problem. Oh, yeah? A book about neurology and Buddhism. I listened to uh, the Bill Bryson book on the body. Oh, okay. I listened to, to uh, right I listened to another book on the history of food. Past four million years of food. Uh, really good, really good. And what I remember from these books is exactly the fifteen minutes. If I read the whole book, it's all I would do. 
I use it driving home. I haven't tried using it other places, but I think I might. But I'm going to use it driving home for sure. So, Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special office just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash pen. Try it free for seven days. Save 25, 25% off your uh, your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash pen. To start your free seven-day trial, you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash pen. Blinkist. Yeah. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I want to change entirely from meditation sure. and go to uh, and go to atheism, which is where we first uh, we we where well, we should have met. We've been we, in a, we've been in the same atheist circles for yeah, quite we, some time, but we, we never, we, never we, met. Cer- we certainly yeah. have. And um, there's this movie that I wanted you to try to see tonight, but uh, it brings up uh, something that you touched on very lightly before, and I want to dig in because it's been driving me crazy lately. Uh, there's this movie called Hail Satan, mm. and it's about Satanists. Uh, satanic temple right and what's fascinating about it is it should be threatening to christians i found it very threatening to me as an atheist Hmm. because uh the satanic temple are the guys who when they want to put the uh 10 commandments up in 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 a public building they say great you should do that and we're going to put it we're going to put a statue of satan there too Right. Because right. it should be freedom of religion. You want yeah. to have your religion, we'll have ours. Yeah. And I understand it completely as uh, trolling. Yeah. I understand it completely as political theater. I understand it completely as performance art. Mm-hmm. And as this movie goes on, you realize that these people are, it really is a true religion. And they don't believe in Satan and they don't believe in God. And it's a true religion. So what, now, what I wanted to say to you was, yeah. what I wanted to say to you was, you're the one who um, kind of blew my mind, which I'm not still not completely on your side, uh-huh. really close, oh, yeah. to being spiritual uh-huh. without any religiosity, without any God. And I'm now feeling that there is a possibility of being religious mm. without God. This group of people identifies, and at the same time, and I'm going to spit a lot of stuff out here, mm. at the same time... There's this love of community that I want to feel like I'm part of this group. And at the same time, the idea of teams uh, seems to me the worst idea ever. Mm. We're seeing in politics now, uh, people aren't even pretending to talk about the way we want to be governed. They're talking about what team they're on. And uh, I know that we agree on a lot of this stuff, but I don't care. I'm talking about about the, um, I don't care, liberal or Democrat or Republican or whatever, conservative, I'm talking about, I would like very much to have two choices. I'm either one of 7 billion Mm -hmm. or I'm one. Right. And there's no team in between. Not atheist, not, not, you know, Lou Reed fan, 
but just I'm either seven billion or I'm one. And at the same time, I'm thinking that I see stuff like the temp, the, 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 the satanic temple mm-hmm. having this feeling of community. And I just want to talk to you about, uh, as someone who's been accused of Islamophobia, which is a nonsense word, and believe me, I've defended you every bit. I know every argument you've got on that, I believe I know, but I I could not agree with you more. There's a whole chapter in my book about how great you are on that, and the the Ben Affleck thing was repulsive. on his side. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, Christopher Hitchens once said to me, you know, if you can, if you can for a moment think that you're against anything in Christianity and then you do not do that for the other Abrahamic religions, you're really out of your mind. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm completely won over there. But how do you feel right now about the human desire to be part of a community and what I think is the real negative of teams. Is there a way yeah. to be religious without God and without being exclusive? You talk about the in-group altruism and so on. Right. How do we get rid of that? Well, I, I think we can play with it for fun, but not for high stakes. So like, like being a, a fan of a sports team, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we know what it's like to enjoy that and to see people just have as much fun as possible around, you know, the World Cup or whatever. But then we also know what it's like when people take it too far and when you're you're actually a fanatic, right? You're just you're 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 this crazy person who cares too much about the the color of a person's jersey, right? Because uh, what's happening on because this is all made up, you know, what's the whether a ball goes into the net, you know, and which net that is. This is the whole spectacle. I mean, the, what's so crazy about professional sports certainly at that level where you're talking about you know the final game in the world cup say it comes around every four years it's you know you you have grown men uh uh or women depending on which cup you're talking about who are getting paid astronomical sums of money uh who in the next 10 seconds based on you know whether a penalty kick goes in um you know, half of them are going to be reduced to tears, and half of them are going to be just just yeah. jumping with, with the greatest joy they felt in in the decade, right? And it's all made up, right? And so there's a there's a level of engagement with that that I think you know maybe everyone doesn't want, but many people want because it's fun, right? And there are versions of this uh, kind of tribalism where. Uh, you can be a part of a community, but it never becomes the pathological tribalism where you you will stand shoulder to sol- shoulder with a, a total ignoramus and pretend to believe what he believes simply because he's part of your tribe. Right? I mean, that's that's where it becomes truly toxic yeah, but in, in also, the political space. But also in the in the us and them. You know, yeah. I've been trying to um, say this sentence that's almost impossible to say, which is. Those of us who voted for Trump, right? Uh, that sentence, which I've been trying to force myself to say yeah. every yeah. time I refer to that, right. because the us should be everybody, and there were some of us that voted for Trump. Right. And although I, I I know Trump well enough to know uh, and have worked with him and know how bad he is, yeah. I have to see that as as not trying to do an us and them. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, I'm, uh, I've never been a sports fan. I've, I've always hated that team stuff, right. but I'm starting to realize that there's other team things that we're constantly 
being thrust into. And I wonder if that's a fun thing to play with, the us and them, or if that's something we should really be trying very, very hard to not even uh, not even play well, with. Well, no, I, th- I think it is truly pathological when you're talking about uh, the political sphere, when you're talking about you know, like just how to make changes in the world that that improve human life or respond to you know global problems. I mean, clearly, we just there there are problems for which we need global solutions, and we're not going to get get to we're not going to converge on those solutions by having a a in group out group you know right. zero sum contest with other countries or you know or political parties within countries when you're talking when you're when you're trying to form beliefs when you're trying to you, you defend a worldview against ignorance and confusion you're talking about what is true and false you put your playing the game of science or any kind of honest rationality then it can't matter who where the ideas are coming from. I mean, so they're like identity politics where you talk about the truth of, of a, a certain community, right? There's nothing that is important about the nature of reality that will be balkanized into separate epistemological communities. I mean, like you, you have to just be available to evidence and argument uh, it, unrelated to the, the, the people who are pointing to the evidence and the argument. I mean, you know, granted there's some, People who, by virtue of the fact that they just they, they have nothing in their biography that would suggest they would know anything uh, of, of relevance here, you know, you you would say the, the, the bar would be set kind of high before they get listened to. You know, if you have some you know, somebody who comes in and says they have the cure for cancer, and they don't have a medical degree and they don't have you know any of the bona fides that you would expect, well then it, it's you know we all have a bandwidth problem and you you don't have to take everybody seriously and some people are crazy. But the truth is, if you have a good argument. And you're in contact with with data very quickly. You can win the, any argument, even with a Nobel laureate in the relevant field who's just having a bad day, right? I mean, it's like like that's that's how rationality should work. It really is well, yeah. independent of the speaker. Well, the, at the when, end of the day, when Einstein uh, was told that they were uh, writing a book called "A uh, Hundred Scientists Prove Einstein Wrong," right? Einstein's answer was. One. one would be enough. Yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and not even a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. just just show yeah. me show show me where where I'm wrong. Right. But it's really uh, your uh, work on uh, on talking about identity politics mm. fascinates me. Um, how you're attacked for it? Yeah, it's really. Um, uh, it's well, also uh, amazing how it ended up being you. Yeah, in some yeah, of these yeah, cases, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it, the uh, it didn't need to be but, the stuff yeah. you're saying was to me remarkably uncontroversial. Right. I mean the the fact that there are uh, tenets of religion that make adherence to that religion do things that we probably don't want to have done. Yeah. yeah. Ideas and, matter. Sorry, yeah, sorry it doesn't thought. seem like a big yeah. deal. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I've I've watched people beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Over that, yeah. and uh, even 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 accusing what you're doing of hate speech, right? And well, so, but to, to, so the the place where most people are with respect to identity politics on the left certainly is that it's totally legitimate to be uh, arguing from a place of you know as a Jew, as a black man, as a lesbian. Th- here are the truths that I'm in a unique position to talk about. Right now, there, there's obviously a 
a subset of experiences that you're in a unique position to talk about. Like, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be a black guy in society. I don't have that experience. So I can't say, you know, I know I know what that experience is like firsthand. But if you're if you're talking about how what sorts of, what sorts of policies should we have to arrange society so that it's fair and so that incentives are tuned in a way that you know people are 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 behaving better and better and we have we, we have a world worth living in all of that has to float free of identity politics and um and what's what, what's what's amazing that it, to, to encounter on the left now among among smart liberals and especially among white liberals is a sense that it really is a, a, an explicit disavowal of, of Martin Luther King's, you know, mm-hmm. credo that you know we have to get to a place where where people are judged by the content of their character, not the not the color of their skin. Um, to to posit that the goal is a post racial and post racist future. I mean, everyone wants to get rid of racism, but it, it, the, the fact that that will be synonymous in the end with simply not caring about race, right? That is controversial. Very right? controversial. And I and I think it's just absolutely obvious. And that, also that, uh, very considered very, very old fashioned. Right. I right. mean, that is that is not understanding uh, when I try to bring up Martin Luther King in any of these discussions, yeah. it's yes, he was a great man, greatest speech of the twentieth century, but things have changed and there's a different way to look at right. racism. Yeah, now. I, yeah, I just don't and see how, hard how we get so but the but the proposition is that we need to care more and more about race. It's somehow the exit from this this quandary, yeah. right? You know, you know, all of the conflict around race and the zero sum contest between sep- people of separate, you know, uh, you know skin colors, and um, the fact that we've got white, you know, now we have white identity politics as a backlash, you know, uh, amplification of racism, you know, in in, in the presence of of non white identity politics. The idea that the solution to this is for us to care more and more about race as a variable, right? And it, it, clearly, that it, it's just that's a dead end. But it it just should be obvious that the future worth wanting here is a future in which we care no more about the color of someone's skin than we care about the color of their hair. Exactly. Right? We want to be. So it just doesn't matter whether someone's blonde or a brunette or has black hair. It's just it is the among the least interesting things about any person and why on earth would you not want to set your sights on a possible future where that's true of the color of a person and the same thing and the same thing with uh, with uh, what sexuality you have yeah, to choose exactly. yeah. because that you know that's i just don't see right. why there's even such a thing as gay and straight yeah it seems yeah. like it's who you who, i mean the only question you really ask is uh, are you interested in having sex with me? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, maybe because that, that's, that's a negotiation. Do you have a good sex story you can tell me now? Yeah. Those are the only two questions I have. Right. I don't care, gay or straight. Those are the two questions. Do you have a good sex story? Are you interested in having sex with me? Right. And we're done. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I, 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 you know, another one of our mutual friends. We can't name all of them, mm-hmm. but um, uh, Stephen Pinker, who's yeah. who's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, he's great. You know. With his book, A Better Angels book, and really several of his books, he talks so much about how how things have gotten so much better because of empathy. Mm-hmm. 
and how uh, maybe those crazy fucking artists and writers in the 20th century who said we're going to stop war and stop violence by writing these wonderful books may have actually done it. Mm. They may have actually done a lot. And there's this, uh, with the identity politics and the grabbing of, um, of who can write and who can be, who can portray, it has to be within the same, same group. It seems like there's nothing more beautiful than somebody writing fiction or doing songs or doing any sort of art from the point of view of someone they're not. Yeah. We well, don't want the whole thing, the, the we don't around. want all art to be memoir. Yeah. You know, well, and the idea that, you know, I mean, who would who would have thought that Scarlett Johansson would be, you know, one of the ones to speak out. Yeah. But it seems like to be an actor, the most beautiful part of being an actor is to play someone who you are not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, the the notion of cultural appropriation as a bad thing. Right? Well, see, yeah. that, this is I've tried to have, and you're the wrong person. I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't even two, bring this up. Two to white you. guys banging on about this. I, I've tried to have a, someone explain to me mm. why cultural appropriation is bad, and I really want to hear it and have it explained. That's not in a way that's just yelling at me. Mm. I mean, I understand some of the financial stuff, like you know, Elvis takes. These songs that other artists right. could have oh, recorded, it's, it's, makes yeah, it's intellectual property. Thing. A lot yeah. of money on them, right. you know. But I just don't see why Elvis understanding uh, music made by someone of a. I mean, even using the word race makes me crazy because mm. there's no such thing. But but using a group that identifies in a different way, how that can be a bad thing. It seems like if Sam Harris wrote a novel. That was from the point of view of a uh, of a hero that was uh, Muslim. That's a great thing. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a wonderful thing. And yet, try it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I get a yeah, feeling. Give me it's, time. Yeah, it's not going to fly well for yeah, you. Yeah, it's not no. going to. It's not going to do well for you. But um, you've been you've you've been argued uh, with a lot about this is there any sort of glimmer of a point of view you see on that um not be that anti-empathy point of view that we're getting with identity politics uh well it's hard to find the non onion article version of it i mean it is so crazy i mean so the at the at the absolute margin the the, the rational point is there are some demeaning appropriations of culture you know like I, I can understand why native americans don't like a sports team called the redskins right mm -hmm. like like that's I, I get that that's easy easily and the fact that we have the baseball team the new york jews yes right, that right, doesn't yeah. seem exactly yeah. right <laughs> yeah. um, so you can see that but no but this this goes all the way to the southern poverty law center worrying that cinco de mayo is a harmful you know, holiday to to celebrate right or um, or I mean, the most extreme cases, uh, you know, the, the, the analogies you were, or the, or the examples you were mentioning, there have been novels that have been unpublished, right? They got all the way mm -hmm. to the publishing yeah. stage, but then got canceled because there was, um, controversy around the, the identity of the author being too far from the, the protagonist being written. And, and in one case, 
it was amazing. I mean, this is this is where the 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 perverse game of woke Dungeons and Dragons just it reveals itself <laughs> to be especially unwinnable. It's like there there's no one who has enough identity politics points to be immune from the the, the wrong right. in the wrong matchup here. And so th this uh, the case I'm remembering is a I believe it was a teen novel, but right the uh, it was it was a black author who. Uh, wrote a and a, the, the the protagonist was an Albanian Muslim and right. the black unfortunately this black author would, was not also a Muslim mm -hmm. right and was not 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 Albanian and therefore did not have the the the, the cred to 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 write this book and it had to be unpublished right mm -hmm. um, and the other perverse thing that's happening that, here is that that ends up where nothing can be written except memoir yeah it's nuts it's, nothing it's, but it's, memoir it's, it's, well it's it, and it is as you say it's it's the ability to credibly imagine the world from a, a distant person's point of view is one of the best abilities we have. Yeah, it's, it's right? not. It, you want to you want to encourage. I that mean, ability. that is empathy. Yeah. Yes. And what yeah. what 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 troubles me is not to try to make the argument that this isn't bad, but that it actually is good. Yeah. I mean, to sit down to teach a no, a, a, a writer to write something from a another person's point of view i think that's incredibly illuminating if you if debating the other side if the novels are of the same quality it's better to have done that right i mean the only the only hitch is that if you do it badly right but if you if you are an albanian muslim that writes a novel about what it's like to be an albanian muslim that's less interesting than the 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 person from outside your culture doing as good a job at it i mean it's just it's it's it's, it's bearing witness to less of an imaginative feat but there's the other part is that but also people less, are getting less canceled your going out less but, of your heart going out. yeah, yeah exactly I mean, to, to try to think about who what it's like to be someone else yeah. is i think what we're we're working for yeah and it's what it's what you want the reader you know most of the readers of that novel were not going to be albanian muslims you want them to be able to take the journey with you right well, it's gonna be funny when yeah. that's the next step <laughs> yeah. that you're not yeah. allowed to read well i guess right. you're, 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 it's also a a case of that you know and 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 and, and growing up uh in uh you know as i said uh, being a big fan of Lenny Bruce mm. and then people talking about being, you know, cultural Jews or I am this or that. And I have more of a right somehow to, a, to, to art that was done by an individual. And that's what I mean by the, the 7 billion or one, right? You know, um, I don't think because at some point your mother identified, uh, as Jewish, that you somehow have uh, more of a hold on Bob Dylan than I do. Mm. I mean, maybe it's the hours we put in listening. You know, yeah. maybe that's more important than that kind of stuff. And I, I, I get so. Um, but with the, uh, but before we okay. we miss this topic, the the other thing that's happening now, which is even more perverse, is that in fiction, if you, as the author of a work of fiction, create a character who has you know terrible you know racist opinions. There's now a, a a a real movement to cancel the author for having given voice to those opinions, as though every opinion expressed in a book had to be the opinion of the author. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't write evil characters anymore, right? Well, yeah, and that um, that is just a step from um, uh, we now have to believe, um, and I think this is the fault of Lenny Bruce. Mm. You know, Lenny Bruce was the one to, to me, and this is this is saying it poetically. This is not literally true, but Lenny Bruce was the one who walked out on stage and said, 
my wife divorced me today. Mm. Instead of doing shtick and jokes, he talked about real stuff. Right. And that form that's kind of a 20th century American form of the stand-up comedian as someone speaking the truth from their heart, you know, as you see from Lenny Bruce and George Carlin, and uh, probably shouldn't mention it, but Louis C.K. Mm. and Chris Rock and so on. They're kind of being uh, destroyed by their own fallacy. Because when you are a comic talking on stage in first person singular, you're still a comic on stage doing jokes. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be speaking absolutely for yourself. That is an illusion. Right. That is a fake. When you go on uh, Jimmy Fallon and have a conversation with Jimmy Fallon, you're not having a motherfucking conversation with Jimmy Fallon. You're doing a show. Yeah, and when yeah. someone comes out and talks about I got divorced today, and even if all of the facts on that list are true, it does not there's mean there's still some daylight between the character. Of and, course, yeah, there yeah. has to be, or yeah. they wouldn't be on stage. Right. If they were completely authentic, they wouldn't be holding a mic up to their. They wouldn't be standing in front of a crowd. There wouldn't be lights on them. Mm. So that is the problem. In that, when you have someone who is exploring all sorts of things verbally. They're going to say some things in uh, that we're not going to agree with in that sentence there. And the context is not the paragraph. The context is the life. Yeah. And that's the part that's so impossible. Uh, we found a way now, and there's those of us, and I'm one of them. I mean, I was talking at MIT in the 90s about how when all uh, – all, all the information and we, we had the democratization and take away the, uh, the, the gatekeepers. It was going to be just beautiful. And I didn't anticipate that there's wicked bad downside, mm. which is pulling out these, these, these Twitter posts from, you know, five years ago. Mm. And you said this yeah. or Sarah Silverman was in blackface you know, 10 years ago, yeah. or someone did this or someone did that. Not only is there no room for redemption, which is heartbreaking to yeah. be able to say, I didn't think that now I, I, I thought that now I don't, I've changed. Right. Yeah. There's also not the sense of when we're talking, you know, and talking publicly that we're trying on different characters and using hyperbole and doing that kind of stuff. So even even before it gets to you can't say this bad stuff in a novel, I would argue even stronger in saying that somebody on stage, uh, when you're dealing with art, there's going to be stuff that's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And that yeah. everybody who's speaking with a microphone on that knows there's a microphone on is in some way in character. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there, there's obviously a spectrum. I mean, when I do a live event or, you know, I'm, you know, do an event right now with you on this podcast it's going to go out to more people than any live event uh i am not there's there's there are things that i'm not inclined to talk about perhaps or that is that are not occurring to me to bring up right but there is there is no real distance between who i am here and who i am when we turn the mics off apart from areas where we're unlikely to go i mean i may there, there may be some things that i would be inclined to uh, again, just not, not voice in this forum, but it's not, but I'm not giving you an opinion here that I don't actually have when the, when, when we, when we turn the mic off. Right. right? So I'm not, I'm not, and, and that's, so I'm not playing a character in the sense that I'm giving more tops and more English to the ball, uh, than, 
is in fact true of me just because it's going to be entertaining or provocative or which a comic has to do you know most mm -hmm. of the time you know? yeah but there's also at some point one of us is going to realize that one of us has to go to sports or the other one has to go to music at mm -hmm. some point you can just keep saying english over the top of the ball yeah no, but uh yeah but i still think that um uh understanding that um there are that each individual is a changing person and that what we're saying is trying out different things i just think there has to be uh, a little bit more well, uh, well there's a lot of trying out different things like i, I want to be able to think out loud yeah you know w with you or in any other even you know on stage in any public context and uh i mean you should be able to follow any path and then recognize that at the end of it you you don't stand behind that path, right? right. So like I could we we could think out loud around you know, uh, you know abortion, right? Like I'm you know I'm pro uh, choice, but it's you know this is a, it's a complicated conversation, and if we if we had it in any depth, and we really tried to prop up the 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 side we were arguing against, you know, mm -hmm. steel man the side rather than straw man it, you know, there's you, you, any any paragraph you would excerpt from that conversation could have one of us saying something which. You know, narrowly construed, we we don't believe and can't defend, and and the, the litmus test of that is when asked about it, you say, oh no, well, in in the context, I was just exploring that, but no, no, my, here's my actual position, right? Well, and, you don't even have to do that. I mean, I would like I would like it to be, oh, I don't know what I said. Right. I, I, here's what right. I think now. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you should be accountable for the argument you can make now, right? right so right. if someone points out a tweet. That you that you that's you know you're trailing from ten years ago, uh, you either agree with it or not now. And if if you don't agree with it now, I mean, let's say let's say you let's say you were a racist asshole ten years ago, and now you've changed, right? That change can be totally credible as long as you can articulate the path by which you you stand in the same relationship to those old racist beliefs that the other people who are condemning them do. It's like, yeah, okay, I can't believe I was that sort of person. Indeed. Here's how I got out of that. Indeed yeah. should be celebrated. Exactly. Indeed. Exactly. That's exactly what we want to have happen yeah. to all the racists, right? <laughs> that's why we were having the argument. Yeah. That's why when you said the racist thing, that's why we said, no, you're not yeah. true because of this, because we wanted to change your mind. Right. And if right. we're now going to not allow people to do that, I think there's a real uh, danger not just, I'm not talking about the person that said the racist thing being a victim. Uh, we don't care that much. No, I mean, no. But what, what I'm really need talking about. a path about, to redemption. What, yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is that having to dig in. Yeah. You know, you're forcing people to dig in. If I'm going to be responsible for that, I better find a way to defend it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in my utopia, I say, you know, uh, Sam, I, I read this book and you said, uh, and I say it back to you and you go, hmm, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. What are we thinking now? Right. You know, yeah. I don't even want you to bother defending that for a second. You yeah. know, uh, maybe you bring up the citations I forgot and you do this and do that. But it's, uh, it's, um, it's really interesting to, I, I never thought that a, an open discourse would go in the other direction. Yeah. It never crossed it's, my mind. 
I feel like we've we've hit some weird little eddy on the river that yeah, yeah. that must be proceeding in the in the right direction ultimately. How but, very Pinker of you! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm. We both we uh, both learned from yeah, Stephen Pinker that yeah, things yeah. are just the things are just. I'm not quite as optimistic as he is, but I I, I want to take well, uh, you know, counsel I, from him. I I am I am pathologically optimistic on everything. Yeah. And a friend of mine said when when, when you and Steve Pinker are talking, do people just vomit around you from how saccharine? Right. Yeah. <laughs> How just yeah. trickly and and happy you are about everything, and I said, well, you know, I, I I do think things get better really really quickly, but I never thought that um, when I was fifteen and defending uh, Lenny Bruce as his a, for him being able to say offensive things and having that be art, that I would be doing it again when I was sixty four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he would have again. That, that doesn't look like progress. Fallen yeah. out of fashion. Yeah, but certainly overall, there's fashion, and I also want uh, there's there's you know progress, and I also just want to say from a very distant place and with no, you know, we didn't know each other. We just had a lot of common friends. You kind of um, slapped me around a little bit and mm-hmm. took an extra bit of time and got me uh, uh, got me meditating, and uh, I think. Uh, in real ways that are measurable, uh, made my life better. Nice. And I want to thank you for that. Oh. And maybe, well, an, you know, when it. you and uh, and Joe and Paulin and uh, and Rick Rubin all work yeah. together, maybe next time we talk, I'll be get, tripping balls. Okay, we'll get a quorum <laughs> together, yes. Well, but thank you so much. Oh, yeah, thank yeah, you, an, an honor. Great thank to finally you. meet you in, in the flesh. There we go. Wow, that was really great. I, I love talking to Sam. We could have gone for another hour, but uh, I had to get to a uh, screening, and he had uh, he had to get across town. So we uh, we uh, we did the time we we're supposed to do. We did a little longer than we we're supposed to do. Everybody's giving us wrap up symbols all toward the end, but now we're symbols wrap up signals. But now we're all done, and that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. I didn't dare tell Sam what my real object of meditation is most of the time. Uh, Maybe when I get to know him a little better, I'll lay that on him. It's such a clear example of me trying to multitask when I shouldn't be multitasking. Whatever else I'm doing, you know, we love you. Hey, everybody. Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable, where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against the shark if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.